Well, hello there and welcome in to another edition of B-Shafe Daily, the Cardinals podcast run by yours truly, Brendan Schaefer, breaking down all things St. Louis baseball throughout the Cardinals season, the offseason, and the spring. Doesn't matter the time of year. We're all over it here at B-Shafe Daily. I told you in yesterday's episode that today we would talk about Jack Flaherty and his contract renewal that took place over the weekend. Flaherty is actually pitching in Tuesday's game. It's Tuesday, March 10th, as we record this episode. Flaherty's on the bump for the Cardinals. It's not available to be watched on TV via either the Red Sox or the Cardinals stream. So you're pretty much out of luck unless you're down there or you've got a radio handy because those are really the only ways you're going to be able to keep up with the Cardinals game today. I'm using the MLB app to follow along with the scoreboard, but since I'm recording right now, obviously not watching the game, or I should say listening to the game, as I just said, watching, not an option. Jack Flaherty on the mound right now in a little bit of a jam in the second inning as the Cardinals lead 2 to nothing. But when we talk about Flaherty today, the conversation is not going to be so much about what he's done so far this spring or what he's doing today. It's going to more pertain to the long-range future of Jack Flaherty in St. Louis and how what happened over the weekend could have an impact on the lay of the land there. But before we dive into the Flaherty conversation, I want to preview what's going to be taking place on tomorrow's episode, Wednesday, March 11th. I recorded an interview on Monday evening with my friend Jacob Zweibach. He's from Prospects Live, does a lot of video and analysis for that organization. You can find him on Twitter at the real R-E-E-L-J-Z. And Prospects Live, I think, is just at Prospects Live. And if you're interested in the young guys, whether it's in the Cardinals system or around Major League Baseball, maybe you're a fantasy baseball dynasty league player. I've had some requests for some dynasty talk on the show. And so tomorrow with Jacob, what you're going to hear is I'll get into some of the dirty details with some of the Cardinals prospects, the names that you know and that you want to know. Talking guys like Yvonne Herrera, Dylan Carlson, a few other names as well as we get into the lay of the land for some of the youngsters in the Cardinals system. Jacob is out in Arizona. I believe he lives there, and so he spends a lot of time around the prospects in the Arizona Fall League each year. And as you'll hear in our interview, he's making his way to Florida this week to cover some Grapefruit League action on that side of the country. And so the conversation with Jacob, a lot of fun. Talk some Cardinals, pretty in-depth on the young prospects and, and some of the names that, that you'll want to get to know for the future of the St. Louis Cardinals organization. And then we got into some under-the-radar dynasty stash-type names. You know, guys that could help you down the road if you want to stash them, put them away on your roster, on your bench now. And even some guys that maybe they'll help you in 2020 if you take a stab and draft them this year in your fantasy draft. So excited for you guys to be able to hear that tomorrow. Interested in potentially lining up some some other guests for upcoming episodes of B-Shape Daily. Stay tuned as far as all that is concerned. You can be sure. You'll be up to date on everything if you follow the podcast or subscribe wherever you get your listening audio pleasure. That's Spotify. That's Apple Podcasts. That's Google Podcasts. There's actually an entire list of other podcast companies, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Overcast. There's like nine of them that you can access. You can access all of them at anchor.fm slash bshafer12 if ever you're, you're looking for a better way, a more convenient way to listen to the show. 
they're all listed there at anchor.fm slash bshafer12. So excited for that episode tomorrow with Jacob. Excited for everything in store for the rest of the spring and the upcoming season as we'll cover Cardinals baseball as in-depth as possible on a daily basis. That's the name of the game. So let's get into it right after this with some Jack Flaherty talk when we come back. All right, so let's dive right into this conversation. Jack Flaherty, over the weekend, news came out, I believe it was on Sunday, that the Cardinals had come to an agreement, signed 24 players who were pre-arbitration eligible, and they agreed for their contracts and their salaries for 2020 for this upcoming season. There was one player with whom the Cardinals did not agree, and that player's name just so happened to be their best player, Jack Flaherty. And I don't think that's very controversial to call Jack Flaherty their best player. I certainly think that was the case a year ago. And if he, you know, accomplishes anything close to what he did last year, I think that could end up obviously being the case in 2020. So for Flaherty, it was the same situation as happened a year ago in 2019, where the Cardinals came to Jack Flaherty and said, here's what we're prepared to offer you based on, and the way they do this is pretty much standard by the book. There's not a lot of wiggle room in the Cardinals formula because that's what they do. They use a formula and say, based on your service time, based on some perhaps incentives for accomplishments that you've had, here's what we're prepared to offer you above the major league minimum. The major league minimum last year was like 542,100, something like that. Flaherty, I believe, according to baseball reference, some other sites says he made around 562, 562,000. So about 20K more, than the major league minimum, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. The point being, whatever the number was, it doesn't really matter. It's not significant when you talk about guys that are making hundreds of millions of dollars. The difference, whether it's 5000 to 20000 to 50000 it's not really substantial. But these are basically the numbers that you're kind of squabbling over and quibbling over and deciding between when you talk about pre-arbitration guys. Because based on service time, you're going to get a little bit of a raise But I think I saw it reported by Derek Gould that Flaherty's contract for this year, $604,500. So, like, in the neighborhood of $600,000, with the minimum being $563,000, that was, I guess, what the Cardinals offered him, and Jack Flaherty turned it down. It's been reported that they had a bonus in there for his Cy Young finish last year. He finished fourth. Typically, the Cardinals' system, their formula that they use, and they use it the same for every player. It's a blanket system. And the reason for that is, as I'm going to explain here in a minute, so that the Cardinals don't just kind of make up a deal that seems fair for one guy, like Jack Flaherty, really good player, probably does deserve more money. But the Cardinals, the reason they don't just say, all right, give him a million. What's it matter? It's a difference of 500K. Give him two million. Who cares if that's going to make it more likely to get him to sign long term and that'll keep him happy? Like, it, it's it's worth the try. It's It's pennies. Right, It's pennies on the dollar compared to the revenue of the St. Louis Cardinals organization. It just doesn't matter. However, the headaches that would ensue when you talk about, okay, Jack Flaherty, we're going to give him, let's just say it's a million five. And then the next guy that comes in, Dakota Hudson's like, hey, I had a pretty good season. I I won 16 games. I had an ERA of 3.3, whatever it was. You know, maybe I wasn't as good as Jack Flaherty, but I think I was almost as good. So, you know, I deserve one million if he gets a million five, or I deserve eight hundred thousand. But Dakota Hudson, even less service time, is right around five hundred sixty-three. Like, if you do that with every player, not only it's not substantial necessarily the number of dollars that it would entail for each guy. Tommy Edmond might say I'm worth nine hundred k. Okay, again, that's three hundred thousand. Not a big deal. 
But I think the headache and the precedent that it would set is a pretty clear reason why it would just not be worth the trouble for the Cardinals because you got to remember, it's not something they have to do. They're not obligated to give anybody anything above the MLB minimum. And that's not me saying, you know, oh, wow, the Cardinals are such a great organization for offering guys a little extra when they don't actually have to. No, I'm just laying out what the actual system is. And when you kind of can think about that, like if you're a business owner, if you're a businessman, businesswoman, and, you know, in this case, you're the Cardinals. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that and say, okay, here's the system that we're allowed to operate under. The players agreed to it. We agreed to it. It's anything's fair game. And if you're the players at this point, kind of seeing the way free agency is gone, you're saying, well, we don't get to have the prize at the end of the tunnel. You know, the end of the rainbow is not necessarily a pot of gold anymore for all free agents when they're 29, 30, 31 years old. But we also don't get paid at the beginning. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem equitable. Something's got to give with this system. And let me tell you, something is going to give with this system. It's just going to be another year or two from now when the CBA comes up and they have to renegotiate. The owners are loving it. They're loving the way things are going right now. I don't think the players are feeling the same thing because they're seeing they're kind of getting screwed on both sides of things. Baseball is a little bit rare in that you've got six years of service time at the at the major league at the highest level before you're able to become eligible for free agency. That's not the case in other sports. Even in basketball, you've got maybe a couple of years. I don't know if it's two or three, but after that, you're at least a restricted free agent. So you're given a little bit more room to, to fend for yourself and to, to maximize your earning power compared to that initial rookie contract. And so in baseball's case, not only do you have to potentially spend years in the minors, which is not the thing you do in football, it's not the thing you do in basketball. I get it that there are more bodies or more roster spots in professional baseball than there are in the other sports. But it's it's not like basketball, you're spending a ton of years in the minors if you're one of the, you know, if you're first round pick, you're in there, like you're playing. And so that's not the case for baseball. And you're doing that for maybe four or five years. And then on top of that, another six before you can become eligible for free agency. And now they're telling you when you do get to free agency, look at Marcelo Zuna, pretty good player. He's not the best player, but he's pretty good. But now they're telling you, yeah, we just don't see it as a value to sign you to a multi-year contract. The Braves gave him one year, 18 million. That's not bad, but it's not the long-term security that, you know, the free agent system is designed to supposedly give you. It's not giving players that anymore, and so that's why I think you're going to see some drastic changes or a potential strike if players don't get what they're seeking in the new CBA, if owners don't be willing to to give probably more than at this point in time I expect they're going to want to give because, like I said, they're happy. So we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out, and it's going to be a huge, huge, huge story across Major League Baseball in the coming years. But that's why we bring this up and why we talk about it today because Jack Flaherty slowly kind of becoming the face of of that situation and, and could be a huge player in this as the years develop because he has made it clear that on certain topics he is not afraid to speak his mind. He doesn't hold back. He says what he feels. He did that with the Astros cheating scandal situation. There was a story written that you know he he kind of laid it out the way he thought it and the way he saw it and so he's got a he's a thoughtful guy he's got a lot of opinions he's intelligent he knows those opinions are backed up by you know the research he follows this stuff and so i think you could end up seeing jack flaherty have a prominent role in these proceedings and it begins now it begins with these decisions too i talked about it he did it last year he did it this year the cardinals impose a $10,000 penalty if you don't come to an agreement 
Cardinals baked in that agreement, as I mentioned, for his Cy Young finish kind of conveniently happens to end up being the same number that the team would ultimately end up finding Flaherty because he doesn't come to an agreement. Now, the Cardinals, I don't think, saw the future in that, but it is nice that they say, yeah, we're going to decide because we like you, and you did really well for us last year. I know typically we only do top three Cy Young finishers, get a bonus. We're going to give you a bonus for finishing fourth, and we appreciate the effort. So that knocks out the penalty that they're going to impose, which, again, people could say, well, why not just not impose the penalty? Well, if you don't impose the penalty, I think it goes back to that precedent thing, and you're talking about having potential issues arise with other players. Like, they have to keep it somewhat similar, or you're just inviting a lot of problems. And again, from a labor standpoint, I totally get it. If your view is, who cares if there's problems? Like, the players deserve more. I agree, and I think they're going to get it if they're smart about this next CBA. But it does boil down to the players screwed up in the last CBA. Now, they didn't know what was coming. I don't think anybody really did. When those free agent freezes started happening in off-seasons and guys that are quality players weren't getting deals, it kind of took everybody by surprise. Except for the teams who people say, well, it's collusion. You know, not there's no way everybody would would suddenly decide that these players aren't worthwhile. Well, I don't think I honestly don't believe that it's been collusion. I believe it's been you started with the Oakland Athletics and Moneyball back in 2005, you know, whenever that was. And now in the year 2019, 2018, 2017, you've seen pretty much a, a, a playing field get leveled off where there aren't very many major league organizations that aren't using these analytics, that aren't determining player value in a very similar way. Like all 30 teams have their own system for doing it. But I think a lot of those systems, you know, smart people working in every organization, they're all going to pretty much find the same answer on the exam. They're all going to come up with similar valuations of guys. And so is there maybe some collusion going on? I have no evidence of that. So it's a it's a pretty damning thing to, to speak on. But I, I certainly, it would make sense to me and would stand to reason to say everybody's valuations are pretty similar. And it all started happening around the same time that everybody caught up with one another. And so that's why players got screwed in the CBA because players weren't worried about this. I, I don't think when they signed their last deal, they were negotiating more off days during the season. They were negotiating, you know, now you see throughout 2020, there's going to be off days on Friday. I know there was a couple of them last year. You're going to see more of them as time goes on in, in, in a major league baseball season where like fans are like, well, screw that. I want to see games on Friday, Friday night. I plan around my sports. You know, I totally get that players would like to be able to have lives outside of it. And so that's one thing that I, I, I recall they were high on. They wanted to kind of negotiate that in. The team side was probably like, okay, who cares? Take it. But then the rug got pulled out from under everybody, and player salaries are not what they once were as far as free agency goes. If you're if you're a star, you're still going to get your money. If you're an aging star, it's going to be a little different. We're not willing to go as many years as we would have been. It was nothing for a guy to get a four-, or five-year, $100 million contract. Now that's pretty significant. Even a guy like Marcelo Zuna, 27, 8 years old, is not able to get a contract like that because he wasn't a superstar last year and and teams don't know they're going to get superstar value in return, even though he's right in the middle of his prime. So back to Jack Flaherty, though. How does this impact him? All right, he's 24 years old, going to be 25. I think he comes to free agency after the 2023 season. And so he'll be like 28 years old entering that free agency. That's a pretty good age. You know, Garrett Cole just signed his mega deal and he's 29. So plenty of reason to believe Jack Flaherty, if he continues on the trajectory that he's on right now, and if he stays healthy, he would cash in in a potential free agency situation.
But with what Jack Flaherty's doing right now, first, let's make this clear. His gripe is against the system. It's not specifically with the Cardinals. I don't think Jack Flaherty's expectation is the Cardinals should have offered me 900K. They should have offered me 1.1 million, and I'm mad they didn't, so I declined. No, it's more of a principled stand on he's done it the last two years now. It's a, a case that he is building because under the current system, arbitration is a thing. And it's a thing after your third year. This will have been Jack Flaherty's third year. And so going into 2021, if he does not sign a long-term extension, which I don't expect is going to happen, and I'll explain why as we go along, if he does not sign that long-term extension, he's going to go through arbitration. It'll be a year-to-year situation between him and the Cardinals. And yes, he will be against the Cardinals when these arbitration hearings come about. Based on what we've seen so far, I have no reason to believe that Jack Flaherty would not take the Cardinals to arbitration unless the Cardinals change off of what they've done in the past and offer a number probably higher than I'm expecting them to offer in that first year of arbitration. Cody Bellinger, I believe, has set the record for a first-year arbitration eligible player at $11.5 million will be his salary in ARB 1. Uh, I'm having a little bit of trouble finding the numbers, updated numbers for pitchers. I know Dallas Keuchel, I've got an article from a few years ago, his first year of arbitration eligibility, he was $7.25 million. I have to imagine that number, that somebody's beat that number. I just don't have it in front of me. And so let's just say, though, Flaherty has another strong season. He'll certainly be in line to command in the neighborhood of 10 maybe $11 million, perhaps more if he were to you know, go and actually win a Cy Young. Like, Bellinger won an MVP, so it's understandable that he would be at that 11 and a half. And I think everyday players might be able to command a little bit more than pitchers. Although when you talk about the elite of the elite in starting pitchers, Garrett Cole still found a way to to command, you know, 30-something million a year. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes for Jack Flaherty. But when Jack Flaherty goes into that arbitration hearing, what will happen is he'll have a number that he'll say, here's what I'm worth. And I will be fascinated to see what that number is because that will end up getting reported and become publicly available. And the Cardinals will have a number that that they believe he's worth. You know, let's just say total speculation hypothetical. Let's say Flaherty has another really strong season. Top five finish in the Cy Young, but he doesn't win the award. Uh, He finishes third, let's say. The Cardinals go in and say, our arbitration, the number, it's called what you file at. The number they file at for the arbitration hearing, let's say, is $8 And I don't know, I have no idea if that'll be close to accurate or not. It'll depend on what the Cardinals view it, how Jack Flaherty actually ends up pitching. So don't hold me to that number, but just for the sake of this conversation to illustrate how this could look, say the Cardinals punch in at $8 million and Flaherty punches in at eleven. Okay, that's, that's a pretty substantial difference, $3 million. Certainly more money than we're talking about with the, the quibbling over an extra ten k or twenty k when we're talking about pre-arb salaries. And so... If it's eight million versus eleven million, the Cardinals and Jack Flaherty are totally within their their rights to come to an agreement and settle on a different number, likely in between the two, before that arbitration hearing takes place. Or the Cardinals could sign him to a long term extension, and that would obviously cancel out any need to to go to the arbitration hearing. And so, yeah, that could happen, and the Cardinals could say, "All right, well, we'll we filed at eight. But we'll try to get you for nine and a half. You want to meet in the middle? And Flaherty's like, yeah, not really. Okay, what about 10? Yeah, not really. I could totally see Jack Flaherty just saying, let's let this process play out. I've been willing to to leave money on the table before because of principle. And I think he'd be willing to do it again on the arbitration stage because he'll be able to go into these arbitration hearings if, if they do go to hearing 
And it's happened a few times in recent years with the Cardinals. Happened with the Cardinals and Michael Waka last year. I believe the Cardinals won that one. Um, I can't think off the top of my head of another example, but I, I think it has happened just a couple of times. The Cardinals went years and years and years without having any, and Waka happened last year. I think you could expect Jack Flaherty could happen this next year if they don't sign him to an extension. And again, I'm going to get into, all right, what could an extension look like? And there's definitely the answer of what it would look like based on past precedent. But you've got to keep in mind, Jack Flaherty, with what he's doing right now, is saying, your past precedent does not apply. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's right. And so that's why you could end up getting into a really interesting situation between Flaherty and the Cardinals. Not because he's mad at the Cardinals, but because he wants to show and illustrate how flawed the system really is. So I could see Flaherty, whatever number he files at, whatever number the Cardinals file at, if we do go to an arbitration with the two next year, he could say, I'm going to stick with it. Let's have this hearing because I want my chance to be able to say, here's what's wrong with your system. You know, they think I'm worth this. I think I'm worth this. And the system has never agreed with what I thought I was worth. That is evidence. I have evidence of that because I never agreed to a salary that was was put upon me. Every time it was enforced without my agreement, I, I never would have done it. And so, you know, the Cardinals can't go back and say, well, you agreed last year to being paid this. And so who's to say you're worth this much more? That's not something they'll ever be able to do because of the principled stand that Jack Flaherty has taken on this issue. Does it mean long term? that he's going to leave the Cardinals. Not necessarily. It doesn't have quite the immediate exact impact on that. Do I believe it has an impact on the likelihood that he will sign a contract extension before going to free agency or even pre-ARB like this year or even before ARB one next year? I do think it impacts that. I don't think it's likely. And, you know, we could talk about, again, these numbers would just be speculation you could base it off of past precedent. Carlos Martinez's contract extension that he signed looked pretty team-friendly at the time. I believe it was with hundred under $100 million guaranteed. Jack Flaherty, top four finish in the Cy Young. If he adds another top three, top four finish in the Cy Young this season, I could see Jack Flaherty looking at it and saying, okay, you want to talk extension. He said it's not something I'm really thinking about, but everybody's got a number, right? I have a feeling Jack Flaherty's number is a lot higher than the Cardinals are going to come in with, and here's why. From the Cardinals' perspective, they're going to look at it probably based on the Carlos Martinez deal, based on other contracts that have been signed by similar tiered pitchers and similar steps in their you know, process toward free agency. How many years of service time do they have? How many years of arbitration eligibility would this be eating up? Could we get a free agent year or two or three, add some options to the end of it? What would that look like? I think Jack Flaherty is going to be looking at it as, okay, what's the arbitration record for ARB 1? Oh, 11 and a half. Sure, that's a position player, but, you know, I, I think I'm as good as anybody, and so I think I should be getting in that neighborhood. What's the arbitration record for ARB 2? Oh, Mookie Betts at $20 million a year ago. Okay, what's the record for ARB 3? I think it's whatever Betts got this year, which is like 27 or $8 million. It's a pretty big number. But if you just add up those years, and let's be a little more conservative and say – 10 million for ARB 1, 15 million for ARB 2, 20 million for ARB 3 for Flaherty, because I know that I don't think any pitchers have come quite as close to the Mookie Betts numbers because they only play every fifth day. I get that. But again, we're just kind of BSing our way through this and coming up with numbers that sound plausible enough to make sense, but we admit that we don't know the actual numbers or what it'll look like. It's speculation, right? 
but it's informed speculation based off of what's happened in the past. So if we go 10 million, 15 million, 20 million, and say that's the value potentially of Jack Flaherty's three arbitration years. And again, you're baking in risk there by going year to year if you're Jack Flaherty, because if you blow out your arm, it's not going to be nearly the increase that a full season of top five, top 10 Cy Young finish would allow you to have to your salary. So, but just with those numbers, 10, 15, 20, that's $45 million right there. And yes, this season currently, if you were to talk about the extension happening right now, yeah, I could I could see the Cardinals adding a couple million to his immediate salary just to to make it pretty. Let's even say they do and go to five million. That would be substantial. They don't have to do that. They don't have to pay him anything more than the six hundred thousand that they've they've you know said he's going to earn for this season. But let's say it's five million that gets us to fifty million for four years. But then after that, you're free agency. And right now, I think Jack Flaherty has it in his mind. Here's what I'm worth. Here's what I'd be worth on the open market if I could hit it today. And it's no question that he'd be in like the 20s millions range, in my opinion, for his age and his performance, what he's shown he was able to do last season. And so would it be a stretch for Jack Flaherty to think I should be able to command on the open market $25, $30 million per season for some of my prime years? I don't think it would be. But if the Cardinals are looking to buy out a year of free agency, would they do it at what the market value would be. I don't think they have any reason to offer that in their minds. They're saying, well, you're not at market value right now because the market, you're not on the market. You got to wait four years before that injuries could happen. You know, there's a lot of risk that we would bake in by offering you the $30 million in 2024 that you may be able to command at that point. That's a number you'd be able to command today if you were a free agent, but you're not. And so for us to offer you that guarantee it, without knowing what's going to happen over the next four years, that's a significant risk that doesn't make business sense on our end. Jack Flaherty could say, okay, I'm confident in myself though, and I don't have any reason to take less. I'm not trying to, you know, sign a team-friendly deal. I'm trying to set up my future. I'm trying to be paid what I'm worth. And I totally respect that and understand it. And so if that's what you're looking at, to buy out a free agent year for Jack Flaherty, I don't know that it would come at a price lower than even $25 million. Could you say for two years he'd be willing to do that? And then that would delay his free agency until 30 when potentially you have all these problems come up with, you know, okay, now he's in his 30s. We're a team. We're not going to pay you quite the, the long-term deal that, that you otherwise could have commanded. Those are the things that you risk, especially as a pitcher. And so it, it's kind of goes back to that conversation. A $100 million contract for Jack Flaherty, I think it would have to be at least that. And we just baked in how it would look if it were signed right this moment and you took two free agent years at let's say 25 million a piece. So you've got this year, the three ARB years, and then two free agent years, 25 million a piece, six years, a hundred million. And then let's say, you know, you could add options onto that. And those options would probably be in the $30 million range, but is it a team option? Is it a mutual option? Because if the team has any say in it and I'm Jack Flaherty and blow out my arm, that's not a guarantee at all. So it, it, does it benefits me in that like I know what I would earn if I continue pitching on this trajectory but it really doesn't exist if I if I have issues it's not anything that I'm guaranteed so I don't know how how good the team option concept would necessarily be for Flaherty in that regard so I'm just looking at it as you know if I'm Jack Flaherty and I have confidence in my 2020 ability to really change my trajectory and become a, a precedent setter rather than I've got to follow the precedent 
Like, if he wins a Cy Young this year, then you're talking about an extension that you've got three years before he reaches free agency. You can figure he's going to be right near the top of arbitration records for what pitchers have ever done. And then you can expect that, in his mind, those free agent years are worth 30 to $35 million each. And so I just think the Cardinals, based on their history, yes, they like to keep their homegrown talent. Yes, they like to keep their stars. And, you know, Pujols left eventually, but they had an extension with him signed that kept him around longer than those six years. He was in St. Louis for 10 years. So, you know, they like to keep their homegrown guys. You've seen him do it with maybe players of lesser caliber, not saying like no good players, but like Colt Wong is not an MVP winner. Jack Flaherty could very well this year be a Cy Young winner. And so you talk about guys like Wong and going back to even Alan Craig and, you know, some of the other guys that they've signed early. Uh, Stephen Piscotty was another example before they traded they traded him away. We know there was more to that trade than just baseball terms, but still another example of a guy they signed to an extension. Uh, Paul DeYoung, another great example that in the present, they locked him up early. Yeah, you can do that with Jack Flaherty. The numbers are not going to look anything similar to what they look like with those other contracts, in my opinion, because I just don't think Jack Flaherty is setting himself up to want to agree to those kinds of contracts. I think his contract would certainly be above $100 million especially if they waited a year. And right now there's no indication that Jack Flaherty is talking contract with the Cardinals. I just don't think it's happening at all. And so unless they send him a number that he's like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Let's lock it in. I don't think it's going to come about before we have this conversation again next season. And that'll be before next season when the arbitration discussion is happening. Could be a prime time for the Cardinals to sign him. I just think the Cardinals are going to have to break from what their model indicates. You pay a player and they're going to have to take on more risk than they've ever done before, I think, for the caliber of player that Jack Flaherty is. So what it means that he signed, that he had this renewal without agreeing is, I think it's gearing up for arbitration battles. I think it's gearing up for a battle against the system to say this system is wrong. And keep in mind, if you're Jack Flaherty, you're not really incentivized to hurry up and get a deal done, especially if you believe the players are going to fight in a couple of years for better conditions for players because that's only going to mean higher salaries. And so if you lock in your extension before that happens, you don't get to benefit from that until your contract runs out. And so I'm totally in a mindset where I see Jack Flaherty waiting this thing out, seeing how it goes, and and, and just trying to prove himself on the field in order to earn himself the contract that he believes he deserves and that he very well could deserve when it's all said and done. So that's kind of the way I look at things with Jack Flaherty. I've talked about him for 30 minutes or so now. I guess I can pull up the MLB uh, the game cast to see how he's done in this game today. Looks like Flaherty pitched just three innings. I don't think there was any issues. I haven't seen anything on Twitter to indicate that there was. Three innings, gave up three hits, two walks, but no runs, had five strikeouts, so lowers his ERA for the spring to 3.09. Everything seems to be going right along schedule for Jack Flaherty, the Cardinals' ace and opening day starter. Appreciate you guys for joining me, as always, for this episode of B-Shape Daily. Make sure to come back tomorrow for my conversation with Jacob Zweibach, talking Cardinals prospects and fantasy baseball dynasty prospects. Should be a lot of fun. And then we'll continue with the Cardinals talk on Thursday, as always, on B-Shape Daily. We will talk to you tomorrow.